You are listening to TLRStation.com. Worldly Connections is all about bringing magic into your life. Janet Wizawadi, visionary coach and consultant, is on a mission to empower people to keep moving forward, have a vision, and trust that something good will come of it. Worldly Connections inspires listeners to live happy and be happy through the power of conversation and positive energy from Janet and other experts who believe that life is a team sport and when you work together, miracles happen. And now, here is your host, Janet Wizawati. Thank you for tuning in to Worldly Connections, where we believe life is a team sport and when we all work together, miracles happen. But how do we know who to work with, what books to read, what people to connect with? I am outrageously curious about just about everything. We just don't know what we don't know. So I bring guests together so they can share their knowledge and their wisdom and and we can explore the different avenues we can go to in life. And today I'm very honored to have uh, Dr. Kelly Flanagan. He's a psychologist uh, in the United States and uh, how he became into my radar was uh, a blog post of his uh, letter to his daughter uh, went viral. And uh, I was very impressed with that. So before we go into your uh, bio, your, your more formal bio, welcome, Kelly. Well, thank you for having me, Jen. It's good to be here. Thank you. Okay, Kelly is a licensed clinical psychologist and co-founder of Artisan Clinical Associates in Annapurville, Illinois. He is a writer, the author of The Marriage Manifesto. He blogs regularly about redemption of our personal relationships and communal lives at drkellyflanagan.com. His uh, full, first full-length book will be published by Zondervan in a 2017, March 2017. He has three children and enjoys learning from them how to be a kid again. Isn't that the truth, right? I've got grandchildren and I learn something every day from them. I forgot my whole life how to be a kid until I had my kids and they're teaching me again. <laughs> I know. And you know what? I, I agree with you that we need to be more playful. Uh, I think that that's why there's more it seems to be more prevalent disease and, and things like that. We've forgotten how to play. We've forgotten. We, we take ourselves extremely seriously. And uh, I, I feel like, you know, I'll turn 40 this year. I'm entering kind of the second half of life. And um, I think that that's, that's one of the big awarenesses going into this is how seriously I've taken myself and how much fun I want to have going forward. Yeah, I think one of the big, most fun things is is taking, uh, we took my granddaughter to Disneyland and our Disney World, and it was like, wow, you know, watching life <laughs> through their eyes uh-huh. is, is awesome. But we have a short time and you have so much to share. So what are your thoughts on identity development in women? Uh, I know you talk about women and children and couples and that, but how can we go into that? How is identity formed? What makes us who we are? And what right. role does family interaction play in this? And that leads right. into the kids, too. Exactly. I think we need like 25 days, not 25 minutes, right, to talk about right. all that. Yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll, do the, I'll do the best I can. I, I don't want it to be a monologue. But um, I think one of the core things, I think, I, think um, I don't think of identity formation as a fundamentally different process for men and women. I think we face different challenges um, presented to us by the culture and cultural assumptions, 
Um, but uh, I think one thing that gives rise to the types of letters that I write to my daughter and why they're so well received is that I think of her basically as a human being uh, with all the same potential and possibilities as anyone else. Um, and so uh, I, you know, I, I don't think of identity, and this is this to me is it shapes everything that I do with my clients. It shapes everything that I uh, do as a parent and as a person. Um, is I don't think of identity as something that we have to be we have to form necessarily. I think of it as something um, that has been formed on our behalf um, and that it is our job over the course of our lives to recognize it. Um, I think kids, when they're young, um, have a much easier time of recognizing their identity and understanding who they are, actually, and that uh, part of the seriousness that accrues over the course of life um, is related to forgetting who we are um, and that a big part of uh, kind of identity, quote, formation in the second part of life is really actually identity recognition who am I? How do I remember that? Um, how do I hold on to that when the world tries to take that away from me? And then how do I manifest that in the things that I do with my day-to-day life? Yeah, we forget if you watch a baby and their laughter and, and how they really, the laughter just comes from so deep. And when you see an adult laugh, it's just not the same, is it? We have to learn that all over again. You know, it's one of the things I love about my daughter is she actually, she can she literally can turn a, any fake laugh into a real laugh, and she can make everybody join her. Um, she's just has such joy, and, and there's so much, much laughter that just naturally comes from her. And uh, and you're right. I, I think it just comes more naturally to children, um, and we have to kind of almost relearn it as adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a daughter, and I have two granddaughters, and uh, my husband is awesome with them. Uh, he's always been that wonderful person in their life. And, and so can you share, how can fathers help build more trust, strength, and healthy identity with their daughters? Well, that's a great question. I think, um, I think part of that has to do with um, how the role that fathers can play in pushing back against or undermining um, some of those cultural challenges to uh, daughters having their own identity. Um, just like any other human being. Um, so um, I know that one thing, for instance, that as a, uh, we, I think we have to, we have to go out of our way as fathers to empower our daughters. I think, I think it comes more naturally to us and culture encourages us to empower our, our boys, but um, not so much our daughters. And uh, so one of the things, one of the ways that I, I always talk about empowering our daughters is um, being able to handle their rejection, for instance, uh, letting them know that it's it's actually okay to say no to daddy and to to reject me that hurts as a dad. Um, I'll give you an example. I uh, this is maybe my daughter's probably four at the time. Uh, I walked into the kitchen one morning and she was the only, I had gotten back from working out and she was the only one in the kitchen. And I walked over to give her my normal morning hug and do our normal morning routine. And she kind of put out her arm real stiffly and said, "No, no, daddy." You know, my, my instinct is just to kind of push past that stiff arm and just kind of go in for my hug, and um, and I'm sure it would have ended up, you know, with laughter. Um, but I found, caught myself in that moment going, oh, here's a moment, right? And I held out my fist, and I kind of gave her a fist bump, and I said, you're right. You don't ever have to let a boy hug you if you don't want to. Um, that's your choice. And um, it hurt inside me because I wanted to hug my daughter, but there was a more important lesson for her to learn there about the boundaries she could set and the power she has to... Uh, kind of determine her own life. Yeah, there's so many lessons that, uh, you know, it's different with me now with raising our daughter 
and to having now, we did uh, assist in helping our granddaughters and our grandsons. And you come from a totally different place as a grandparent. Mm. And the lessons that I've learned and how I want to empower my granddaughters in a way that I wasn't able to empower my daughter uh, is is so important. And to, to give them that example, like for myself, uh, it's showing an example, like yourself showing an yes. example how to be treated and and where they can go. Like at 50, I was climbing a mountain in Greece on an archaeological dig with the university. Mm-hmm. I want my children and grandchildren to know that age doesn't have to be a limit right. to your learning. That's right. And yeah. that's just an example. <clears throat> it's a great example. And, and kind of along those lines, you know, I try to keep in mind, and I, I don't always do it because um, I... I get caught up in my own emotions and stuff, but I try to keep in mind that when I'm treating my wife with respect, um, treating her as an equal and, and, um, and not trying to dominate that relationship, I'm being a good father and a good parent because I'm showing my daughter and modeling for her what it's like to be in relationships um, in which power is shared um, and respect and, and, and both people are respected as equals. So I think that's a, a key way that we parent our kids, our daughters, is by um, the ways that we care for our wives as, as husbands and fathers. Yeah, and that uh, comes to another time when uh, our grandson, he's, I don't know how old he was, maybe about nine or uh, or so, and he said something derogatory to me. And my husband just looked at him and says, don't you ever, ever, ever talk to your grandmother like that again. Mm. And, you know, the, our grandchildren are uh, 15, 19, 21, and 22 now, mm-hmm. and they're so respectful. But they have learned that. Their grandfather treats me with respect. We treat mm-hmm. each other with respect. And uh, we have to show that, and we have to teach people how to treat us, Right. Right. And and through example, and my husband and I will be married 43 years uh, in July, and uh, it is built on respect and honoring uh, our strengths and support. And I know that you counsel, you know, work with couples and that too. And and that goes a long way on how our future generations see and grow. Yes. Yeah, you said a couple of things there that are important. Um, One, you said that we have to teach people teach people how to treat us. Um, and I think that that is, is critical. Um, I think, you know, when we talk about this idea that identity isn't formed, but recognized, um, uh, that's one of the tasks is recognizing who we are. What, you know, what are the things that energize me? What are the things that I care about? What are my character traits that I'm blessed with? And what are my limitations that I have to work with? And, um, but then once we know that is how do I go out in the world and teach people to treat me for who I truly am? How do I not hide how do I not appease? Um, how do I not try to dominate in, as a way of hiding myself? But how do I, I meet people as equals and say, this is who I am, and if you want to be around me, you get to, to honor that. Um, I, think that's, I think that's critical um, for, for young women in particular. Um, and I also think, to your point about your husband, I think that's fantastic that you know, he, he redirects the kids and kind of teaches them how to treat you. I think one of the more convicting moments as a father for me was uh, a time when I, I said to my one of my boys, uh, you know, don't talk to your mom that way. And he said, well, but you do. <laughs> and, uh, and it kind of gets back to that idea that it's not just about teaching them, it's about showing them. And it's really confusing to a kid if we forbid them from acting one way towards their one of their parents, but we act that way. Um, and so modeling it can have... Uh, 
probably more a more powerful impact than teaching it. Oh, they teach us so much. I can remember when my daughter, I guess she was maybe about five or six, and um, I had this habit of when I got mad, I'd stamp my foot and say something, and and this one day, <laughs> she stamped her foot and she said, that, uh, oh, look at that mirror. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. I, my, my oldest was, he was probably maybe six at the time. And I walked in the door after a day at work and I, I said to him, I go, hey, buddy, how was your day? And he looks at me and goes, good, I got a lot done. And I looked at him <laughs> like, oh, man, we've said that so much that you already know that's, the, that's how we judge our days. And it, did, it didn't sit well with me, you know. All <laughs> oh, the things that we can learn, right? <laughs> yeah, they're watching everything for sure. They are. You know, I'm going to take a break now. I think this is a great place to take a break. And uh, when we return, we'll be talking more with Dr. Kelly Flanagan uh, about relationships with our children and with others around us. And uh, looking forward to hearing more. Need to book an appointment with a holistic health provider or find resources and products in Edmonton and surrounding area? Not exactly quite sure who to contact? Or where to begin your search? Your Holistic Earth is the only online holistic marketplace that connects people like you who need help to the holistic health practitioners who provide a complete range of professional services and products. Look no further. Your Holistic Earth is your online holistic marketplace for a healthier and happier you. For everything holistic, visit yourholisticearth.ca. That's yourholisticearth.ca. This is TLRStation.com. Welcome back to the second half of Worldly Connections on TRLR Station. Before the break, we've been talking with uh, Dr. Kelly Flanagan. Uh, he, how he came to my attention was uh, his uh, blog that went viral, Letter to His Daughter. And uh, he has a blog post called Untangled. I highly encourage you to go have a, check it out and uh, see what else that we're not going to have time to share on the show, what else <laughs> Kelly yeah, has to say. But Kelly, welcome back. Uh, and we were talking about how we teach our children and how they show up as mirrors for us. In my case, when I stamped my foot and said something to my daughter and then one day she did it back, you know, these, these occur fairly often. And it'd be really interesting if teachers recognized more of that, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and I think that's a great point. I think there's more and more of that recognition um, as you see kind of a new generation of teachers um, and kind of ongoing training for teachers that the, uh, even the, the teacher-student relationship is a reciprocal one. And uh, when we can uh, imbue kids with the kind of dignity that says uh, we're learning from you as well, um, they're more responsive and more receptive to what we're trying to teach them and model for them. So um, to the extent that it can be an exchange, I think both I think both adults and kids are better off. Yeah. What are some typical pitfalls in father-daughter relationships and how to avoid them in your practice? I'm sure you see a few of them and in your studies and that. What can you share with us to help us be aware of those pitfalls and, and how maybe we can avoid them or if they happen to show up, how we can maneuver through it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, you know, I wrote one of, 
One of the letters to my daughter that's been widely read is the uh, words from a father to his daughter from the makeup aisle. And uh, I think one of the tensions with fathers and daughters um, is how much do we affirm their physical beauty um, versus how much do we affirm their inner beauty. Um, and I think it's, um, I think the culture in general is more likely to affirm a woman's um, outer beauty. And so I think it's critically important for us as dads to balance that out and to be trying to affirm the inner beauty of our daughters. Um, but I also think, um, I don't think that we, uh, it's, it's just our role to balance it. I think it's also our role to affirm their outer beauty. My daughter and I have a ritual at the, um, at the end of every night. You know, we, we read a book, we say our prayer, and then um, I say, um, are you beautiful on the outside? And she says, yes. And I say, and where are you the most beautiful? And she says, on the inside. Um, and it's our way of expressing kind of and me affirming that beauty in both ways. But it's funny, now that she's six, it's, it's so interesting. She's added this, this other, this last piece to it. She says, um, so I'm beautiful in both places? <laughs> and <laughs> I say, yes, sweetie, in both places. So it's almost like as she's getting older, it's more and more important for her to hear, yes, you're beautiful outwardly, um, too, in addition to inwardly. Um, and I think, that's, I think that's something that we don't do enough of as dads. We're just not quite sure what's our role in that way. Yeah, very interesting. Now, uh, I know she's still uh, young. In your practice, uh, if you have like families or there's distension, do you ever use journaling in any part of these uh, scenarios when you're working with people? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I think particularly as I haven't, you know, again, recognized uh, my identity as a writer, um, I've you know, journaling is a classic therapeutic technique um, that's been used yeah. for a while, but kind of realizing that essentially for me, writing is almost like a meditation. And it's a place where we just kind of get to sit with an idea, a thought, or a feeling and kind of turn it over and observe it and play with it. Um, I've, I've used journaling more and more. Um, just whenever there's a place where things feel a little stuck um, or there's a wound that isn't just is resistant against healing, I think that's it's particularly helpful. Yeah, I um, am a co-author in a book where I wrote uh, about journaling at the heart of changing your life. And mm. and I'm also uh, uh, sometimes a guest uh, host on Q&A on Journal Talk by Nathan Oren. Okay. And uh, one of the things, I was in a journaling challenge, a 90-day journaling challenge, and there was this woman who was having challenges with her, her teenage son. And uh, she said that what she ended up doing, she just couldn't seem to communicate. So she got a journal and she wrote to him in the journal and left it on his pillow. And what surprised her was that next day she found the journal on her pillow with an entry he'd done. Oh, very cool. So powerful. Yeah, you know, yeah. Because it, sometimes it's hard to speak face-to-face -face because of the judgment, right? Exactly. Yeah, the, the, the letter is the lost art, right? Um, yes. I had a, a young, uh, uh, just post-adolescent, young adult, uh, young woman who is going through some stuff um, with her boyfriend, and they've actually started writing letters back and forth. And it's, uh, it's been very productive for them and healing, uh, so much more so than the, uh, the, the, the and, and handwritten too, long, you know, long yeah. form. And, uh, and that's just, it, it requires so much more thought and depth than uh, firing off an email or something like that. There's real value to it. 
There is. And uh, I don't know whether you're familiar. Have you ever heard of Marriage Encounter? Oh, yeah. Yes, of course. Okay. My husband and I, we'd been probably been married about 12 years when we went to uh, a marriage encounter okay. and uh, where we started that writing process, right? You have a question mm-hmm. and you write the answer, you exchange your, your written. And the communications in that, and in that written part, like you're talking about your, your client, is that ours was about, one of them was about finances and money and I wrote that he didn't take an interest in it and the bills and that and Les wrote that I didn't let him ah. and so how our communications is we both want the same thing right and I think that's very powerful with our children too we both want the same thing with our children we oh. want the best for them and but it's not always seen that way and that's why I found that so powerful when this woman shared what she'd done with her son yeah, well, that's exactly right. You know, one of the things my wife's actually a child, uh, child specialized clinical psychologist. Um, I'm more just the adult psychologist who writes to his kids. Uh, but I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot from her. And one thing she's taught me is that when, for instance, when kids are very young and their emotions are dysregulated, they're very angry, they're throwing stuff. That actually they're very scared of their emotions. Um, they want to be calm and they want to be. Um, kind of in harmony with the family as much as, as a parent does. Um, and so uh, you can, if you can speak to that, um, again, that identity underneath the anger that just says, yeah, I just want to feel safe and under control and like everything's going okay, um, then you, know, you have a better chance at reaching some kind of common ground. Um, now, with a little one, you can't write that, but it's certainly something you can attend to. Well, and one of my clients, uh, I had suggested to her because she wanted to spend more time working on a book, and, and but her children were young. And so what I suggested to her, that she get them like a scrapbook and that there could, that can be their picture journal while uh, she's uh, writing and uh, until they got older and started to know their letters more. But that gave them quiet time to express. And I believe uh, you'll... you'll uh, uh, agree that your wife probably uses drawing therapy in some of her younger, younger oh, you bet. Uh, clients. Yeah, you bet. There's something ta- you know. There's something actually, and there's studies coming out now that show that um, folks who read the same material in a textbook versus um, like on an e-reader actually mm-hmm. incorporate and integrate more of the information from a textbook. There seems to be something about the the actual kind of manual manipulation of um, an interaction with thoughts and ideas that actually helps us to integrate it more. Um, that's why when, so I, you know, I often recommend that couples will, uh, or couples and individuals practice, um, kind of engage in a gratitude practice where they're attending to their day-to-day lives and noting things that they're grateful for. But what you notice is that um, it's not really integrated and experienced until it's been written down literally on a list, you know, kind of on a sheet of paper in a journal. Um, That's how it really gets integrated, not just the thinking about it. Yeah, and I have a gratitude journal and and teach that in my workshops as well. And and I don't know where I learned this. This is not original to me. Is uh, I've got a small diary that I I write uh, what I'm grateful for today. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, on the other page, I write what I'm grateful for in the future, but in present tense. Mm. And uh, it's been really interesting when I've come back to it, because I'll just randomly open a page of my diary uh, when I'm talking uh, to my uh, group, and I'll just read a piece off. And uh, it was really amazing. A couple times I thought, wow, 
that mm. actually happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's brilliant. It's actually literally the opposite of worrying, uh, right? Worrying yeah. is, is uh, expecting something bad to happen in the future, and gratitude is um, being grateful um, and assuming that the good thing will, will happen. And that's just that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah, I've taken it to just recently. I was asked to uh, do a meetup. I do dream boards as well, and so the another word for vision boards. And mm-hmm. I only had like two hours. So what I did was, uh, is I took a smaller sheet, and everybody had one. They took it to the wrong side, drew a line down the middle, wrote what they uh, want to do but aren't doing, and how does that feel? And then mm-hmm. on the other side change that to they're already doing it how does that feel and create your board from there mm. and uh, so the, these are things I'm learning I'm 63 soon to be 63 <laughs> I'm still learning all this and that's one of the reasons why I've started the show because it's people like you that can help share all different avenues where people can work on their healing and, and their growth and how we can learn especially from our children. Uh, that is so important to watch. Watch kids in a playground, and, and they learn the negative part. I really think the kids wholeheartedly are, are brilliant in their, own, in their own bodies. Yeah, I agree with you. I, you, know, I'm, you know, now that I've got, a, I've got a kid who's just gone into middle school, our oldest, and um, kind of watching him, you know, middle school can be pretty brutal, um, and watching him try to figure out how am I going to protect my identity? How am I going to protect myself? And we can learn positive ways of doing so. We can learn not so positive ways of doing so. So it's a, it's a unique time to, to navigate. Um, but I, I think that's a big part to kind of bring us full circle is um, as adults um, is unlearning all of the ways that we've, we've come to protect who we really are um, letting those things go. One of the things that I often say is we don't become who we are, we unbecome who we are not. And so uh, all these things that we've kind of we've taken on as baggage and, and barriers to protect ourselves, we unbecome those things. And, and lo and behold, there we are waiting, waiting at the end of that process. Brilliant. And um, so we're coming to a close here, but I want to make sure people know how to get in touch with you. Now, do you do anything... Um, through Skype or online learning yeah, or right. counseling, or is it all in person? It's a good question. Um, as a licensed clinical psychologist, I'm not permitted um, by my license to provide any kinds of therapeutic services or services that could be construed as such through uh, long distance, uh, you know, internet. I have to provide services only to people in Illinois who are face-to-face with me. Um, but uh, I do do something through my blog that isn't therapeutic um, and is basically an opportunity for um, people who are interested to um, kind of experience the ideas at a, in a different way, um, at a different level. And we call them courtyard conversations because courtyards are safe places um, and uh, with, with a space above us that's open to the sky. Um, we call them courtyard conversations. We do them about every four to six weeks. Uh, so if someone was to go to my blog and sign up um, to subscribe to my weekly blog post, there will also be an option for subscribing to um, the video hangouts. Um, and if they do that, then they will uh, get that opportunity. Uh, they'll get an email reminding them of when the next Hangout is and, and how to get together for it. So, Oh, wonderful. And your website is drkellyflanagan.com. Uh, you're on Twitter. You're on Facebook. Um, 
this has been such a pleasure and I, I'm glad that you brought out about what you're allowed to do under your licensing for Illinois. For people to be reminded that that, that is a criteria for some, uh, for some healers, right? And, and I call you a healer because that's what you do. And right. uh, so to, to check anybody out you're going to work with, uh, yep. be in integrity. And uh, when we all work together, miracles happen. You got it. So thank you, Kelly, for today. Thank you, Janet, so much for having me. This is, this is wonderful. Thank you. Are you interested in appearing on Worldly Connections, ready to work together and make miracles happen? Then Janet wants to hear from you. Contact her at Janet at FamilyConnect.com. That's Janet at FamilyConnect, spelled C-O-N-N-E-K-T dot com. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Tune in next week, same day and time.